The best American horror film in years is out right now, and you need to go see it. And we are going to tell you why. Welcome. This is the Fright Club Podcast. I'm Hope Madden. And I'm George Wolf, and we are from madwolf.com. Taking a little break from the countdown we've been doing. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we did our favorite horror films from the 60s, and then last week, the 70s. So it only follows that this should be the 80s, but there's a good reason that we're stopping uh, to do that. But before we get into uh, that reason... Thanks for all your comments about our 70s uh, countdown, our 70s wrap-up. We, we, knew, we knew we were going to get some feedback on that one because, um, first of all, there's a lot, a lot of great movies to cover, and we left some out, as that was pointed out yep, to us. Yep. And also because George and I had a little, uh, a little bit of a, an argument about what the number one film ought to be, and it seems like, from the feedback we've gotten, most people agree with George. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and I don't want to really slight uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, it's just that The Exorcist is so good. We actually had some votes for Halloween oh, I was gonna say, to yeah. be number one, exactly. which, okay, all yeah. right, mm-hmm. I hear uh, you. Yeah, there are very, very few people, if any, said, no, I think The Texas Chainsaw Massacre should be number one. <laughs> if anything, if we got a dissenting vote, it was that Halloween should be yeah. number so one. So thanks for all that, and, and, and keep it coming. We love uh, to keep the conversation going. As you know, on Twitter, we're at Mad Wolf, M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F. But uh, all right. To the topic at hand, we'll get to the 80s, all the 80s um, films, our favorite 80s horror movies next week. So if you want to throw it, start throwing in your, your picks, please do that. But uh, let's talk about this movie. This thing, it's going to follow you. Somebody gave it to me, and I passed it to you. Wherever you are, it's somewhere walking straight for you. All you can do is pass it along to someone else. It's called It Follows, and man, <laughs> you know, and it, it is such a great mix of of uniqueness and the familiar, um, just masterfully woven together so that you keep sort of thinking, you know, I know this movie, and then you just don't. Yeah, if you haven't seen it yet, you probably have heard about it. It's getting a lot of hype. We have to give some props to, uh, we write for a, a uh, website called ScreenRelish.com. Great website. Check it out. And the head man there, Craig, he's uh, in England, and he tipped us off to this a while ago. Yeah, he saw it, uh, and, and I let him know when we were going to get a chance to see the screening, which was about a week before it opened here in the States. And he shot me back an email that said, best horror film in a decade. I'm so serious. And man, it, you know, it lives up to the hype. And it's not just him. I mean, w- this movie has a lot of buzz about it. And it's the kind of thing where, you know, by the time you see it, you're going to be like, oh, is it really? But right from the opening scene, you know, it, it just gets you. Yeah. You know, it's, it's great because you're, it, you are bound to have that. You're going to hear some people say, oh, it's not because it's not blood and guts. It's not torture porn, which for me is not scary at all. Um, it has some, it's, it's creepy. It does have a little gore in the beginning. You're like, Ooh, you know, but you're right. Right from the opening scene where a girl just comes tearing out of her suburban house in high heels, you know, and she's running and her neighbors are asking, can I help you? And, and no one can see why she's running. Um, and then it goes on from there. And, and right away you get the, the feeling that not only is it new, it's a fresh take on things, but it's also throwback to, movies and one we just talked about halloween especially is the first one that comes to mind right because it's set in the suburbs and the the tree-lined streets uh, immediately from that opening scene kind of make you think of that the writer director david robert mitchell just does a great job not only with giving you an updated horror movie horror you know uh, entry but also 
you know that he's got his foot firmly planted in some homage to to horror movies that shaped him. If you're not, you know, familiar at all with the plot, basically a young woman finds after a sexual encounter that she has picked up something and it's not what she might have worried that she was going to pick up. She's picked up an entity and it is going to follow her until it either kills her or she passes it on to somebody else the same way she got it. Um, and, you know, don't disregard this as like the STD of horror movies because it is it's it's so, so well done. It's so well put together. So it has that, as you're saying, sort of that uh, early, late 70s, early 80s slasher idea going on. And in fact, the fact that he dives right into it's about sex. The movie is about sex, but it's about adolescence. Right. And it's about that um, sort of languid. It's bored and yet it's rushed that time period between childhood and adulthood. And boy, does he nail that. He does, because there's that old cliche in the teen slasher horror movies where as soon if, if kids have sex, they're going to die. Mm-hmm. At least one of them is mm-hmm. going to die. Mm-hmm. And he plays on that he in does. a very intelligent way. And that's why it's reminiscent of those older movies, but yet it's not. And another thing he does... Uh, is give this movie a very ambiguous time period. Yes, you try which to is nail down what year is this. You look at the cars, you look at the clothes, okay, but then you notice that hardly anyone has a cell phone. Yeah, only the they're girl talk- in the opening scene. That's the only cell phone they're in the movie. They're talking on old phones with wall big, phones. Yeah, wall phones. All of the TVs have rabbit ears. They watch old movies and old TV and the, shows. And um, the date, they, they go to a, a single screen theater with yeah. an organist. Yep, but yet. One girl has like an e-reader. Yeah. I don't really know what it is. It's a weird looking thing. Yeah. It looks um, like a compact, yeah. like a seashell so, shaped compact. So it's, very well done there. Yeah, Because you, I think, you know, while that's weird, well, one of the things I think that it accomplishes is that no matter who the audience is, they're, they're, they're kind of brought into that nostalgic feeling that a coming of age film needs, I think, to be successful. Yes. And that's really what this is. It's a coming of age film. It's yeah. a horror film. Yeah. There's and, a lot of subtext, a lot of metaphors you could make um but uh one of the let's not forget though that it's a horror movie and it's scary and it's creepy oh my god and (laughs) as i said after the opening scene of of a little gore then it becomes this entity is chasing her and it can take any form it can become as it's said in the trailer someone you know someone you don't know so you just don't you just don't know. So, no. so um, in the uh, in the movie, it can change at a moment's notice. It can be a little kid, then all of a sudden it's a seven foot tall dude. Oh yeah, you know? and you know one of the things that I love about the way he he built the tension in the film is that you know you the audience understand the problem before she does. She's still trying to sort of she doesn't know if she even believes him. She basically thinks that she liked this guy, and it turns out he was a wacko. That's really what she thinks for the longest time. But we know better, and so and the way it's you'll just. You know, you're driving in a car and you're looking, you are the audience, you're looking around the periphery, you're looking to see who's walking weirdly straight at the camera, <laughs> right. who is. And and there are so many scenes where, because he's got very much like John Carpenter, he's got this sliding, sneaky camera. And so, you know, the, the camera sometimes goes on a complete 360. Yeah. And just out of the corner of your eye, you see out in the distance. Is it her? And then you're waiting. Please come around. Come around. Come around. Come around. Oh, it is her. You know, like she's closer now. Um, and it just it you know it builds this the, the this beautifully well crafted sense of dread. You're like oh, it's coming. Yeah. Where is it? Because as you say, in the time it takes for the camera to make a complete revolution, you're 
you're catching on to who the uh, entity is before she does. Mm-hmm. Like, it's that person right there. Right. Can't you see? Mm-hmm. They're walking across the, the grass and they're going to be closer next time. And yeah, it really, it really works well. And, you know, you had mentioned how the filmmaker, you know, homages some of the greats and, um, and, and, and like you said, Halloween is, I think, That's the most the obvious. One, That's the most yeah. obvious. And there is a scene in, in a high school classroom where she looks out the window and it's directly, in a really lovely way, not a ripoff, it's a really lovely way, it is a du- taken directly from the movie Halloween. There's also a scene uh, uh, later in the film where she's she's in her bedroom window, she's watching the bedroom window across the street that is pulled directly from A Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, in a great way. I mean, the, the filmmaker is, I think, clarifying for us <clears throat> that he is very familiar with the really great coming-of-age horror films. And he's got one foot in that, and he's got one foot in his own brand of storytelling that's really great. But here's what I think is interesting to me, and I don't know, I'm not sure if anybody else would agree with this. One of the reasons that I think this movie is as creepy as it is, and it has nothing to do with the American history of -of coming-of-age horror, he, he, the entity walks directly at the camera, which is not very common in American horror movies. It's more common in Japanese horror films for the the thing. I think about The Grudge, for example, how that woman, she crawls up and then over top of the camera so that you, the audience, feel you get that sense it's coming at you. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is one of the reasons this, this movie is as effective as it is, is because you're not waiting for it to get to her. It's coming toward the audience. Yeah. It's coming toward you, which is one of the reasons that I think it's so like, uh, where is it? Yeah. And, and and because of what we talked before, you brought up that there are times when the audience knows something before yeah. mm-hmm. the characters do. Yeah. And, and you're waiting for them them to catch up because the other cool thing about this is once someone has it, only they can see the right. predator. Yep. They're out when they're out with their friends or whatever. And they say, there it is right there. Where? There's nobody yeah. here. Yeah. Or she runs into a room and shuts the door and her friends are going, there's no one out here yeah. because they can't see it. Right. And, and that's another cool little little thing about it where it just keeps everybody hopping about who knows what. What, yeah. you know, is and uh, you know, and I think and there's just a really nicely handled moral ambiguity about it where, you know, what do you do? Do yeah. you just run from it the rest of your life or do you give it to somebody else? Exactly. And one of the yeah. things I love about it is what they clarify, the the kid, the guy who gives it to her. If she dies, it comes back to him. Right. So you, you sort of think to yourself, well, I should give it to somebody and hope they give it to somebody and hope they give it to somebody because the more chains, the more links in that chain, the longer it's going to take before it's back to haunting me again. Right. Um, and, and because they're all teenagers, they're more apt to really play with that notion. Maybe I'm just going to give it to somebody. I yeah. just need to get it off my back. Whereas, you know, and, and, and I don't think you can say enough for this cast because they don't the the performances are not like horror movie performances they are like indie film performances there's no affect here they're very naturalistic yeah, they're the very actress is a uh, Maka and I, or Maka Monroe Maka Monroe I hope I pronounced that first name correctly and uh yeah she's very good and she is just you might have recognized her from the guest right which is another if you haven't seen it is an American film from last year not exactly horror kind of kind of borderline but it's a good movie and she's She's very good and very natural. And one of her friends uh, in the neighborhood is an actor. Actually, we got to meet a few years ago, a kid named Kier Gilchrist. And you might have seen him in It's Kind of a Funny Story. Right. And we happened to go to the Toronto Film Festival that year in 2010 when he was making the rounds with that movie. And we got to talk to the whole cast, really, Zach Galifianakis. We got to talk to Emma Roberts and Kier Gilchrist. Right. And he seemed like a very interesting kid. Yes. Remember? I asked him what he was into, and he's into, uh, like, uh, extreme, not extreme, but... Uh, 
different ways of gardening right. and, and uh, that botanicals and things like mm-hmm. that. And he seemed very like an interesting kid. And so this is like the first thing I think I've seen him in since then. Although if you look, he's got a really a long list of credits, but I didn't realize. Yeah, and he's good too. He is. Uh, but you talk about the the subtext and and the things oh, that are yeah. going on. It is. It's it's nicely ambiguous, especially the ending. Mm-hmm. And 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 I'll be honest, maybe the ending will leave some people a little you know anticlimactic, you know. But but it's very well done in the fact that it doesn't tie things up for you. And there's also make what you will of it. A huge metaphor of water. Yeah, everywhere. Throughout this, yeah. you know, and we can go into what Freud said about water or whatever, um, and that ties into this uh, this movie. But water from the almost the beginning mm-hmm. um, is everywhere and, and and ties into it. There's just you know there's so much and a lot of it's done with the camera, but there's so much in the film about the edges of the innocence of childhood, you know, and, and sometimes it's, it's pretty, it's pretty clearly marked where they talk, it's set in Detroit, it's up in the suburbs of Detroit. And they talk about, you know, crossing eight mile. Yes. And that it's like, you're not safe anymore. You're right. not safe once you've crossed eight mile. And, um, but then there's also, you know, she's, when she's in the pool at the beginning of the film and there are the two boys next door who are trying to see her. Yeah. And then there's another time where she's up in her, there's a kid has climbed up on her roof to, to try to peek in the window at her. Yep. And then there's another scene later. Well, one of the, one of the boys, one of the friends where you kind of think maybe he's a good kid you like but he's clearly you can tell from the camera objectifying one of the other teenage girls but this isn't this isn't i'm not knocking halloween but this is not a film that objectifies women it really is not it's a film that it's like you said there's so much subtext here and it's murky in a good way um i think what it does i think as i said earlier what it does really well is just illustrate that there, when you that time of life, there is uh, this hanging dread everywhere mm-hmm. of embarrassing yourself in public, of of you know what adulthood is going to be like. Of you know, I mean, there's just so many impending dangers that this and just takes to a new level. Who who you can trust to yeah. to take that journey with you? Yeah. Um, that's the thing that that makes it um, very intelligently done for me is because even though the movie is getting buzzed because oh you you get it from sex right you could take sex out of this movie entirely and say it has nothing the subtext has nothing to do with sex at all it has to do with moving from that one time of life to Mm -hmm, another mm -hmm. and who you bring with you who you trust who you leave behind who is on your side who is not um you know that's maybe that's digging too philosophically into it but i think you could make a case for that that even though the hook is sex ooh, uh it's not about that at all in, in many ways and so it's 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 about a lot of things and that's what makes it so so well done so I mean, we're uh, very happy that it's getting the the buzz that it's getting. And at least from what we see around here, uh, we're in Columbus, Ohio, in the uh, theaters, that it could make some cash. it could. And could. And I hope so. I do, too. You know, I mean, uh, it doesn't thrill me that that means two years from now we're going to see 15 knockoffs, but that's okay. You know what I mean? Like, I'd rather see see a good independent film make a lot of money um, than, you know, and then put up with knockoffs later than for it to just go unseen. So... If you haven't gotten the chance yet, go see it. Yeah, follows. please do. It follows again. Not a not a splatter fest. Uh, you know, if that's what you're into, God bless you. But that for me anyway. There are a couple that, of those coming out yet later this year. There are, but uh, please see see it follows. So yeah. So talking about that, um, and let us know once you do. Let us know what you think. Yes, please. We love to hear hear from you again at Twitter. We're uh, on Twitter at Mad Wolf. But uh, there's some more coming up here. I think these are all slated for this year, right? For yes, 20, 2015 all, yep. release. There are a couple that I'm going to mention at some point that, that they've had in an international release already, but we don't expect them in the States until this coming year. So Okay. So what do you want to start with? You know, the one, I don't know how excited to be about it. So there's two. The first two we're going to talk about, these are big major films. 
And uh, uh, let's start with Poltergeist. I'm not afraid. How will you get here? Who are you talking to? Daddy? Madison! We didn't know where else to go. This is unlike anything I've seen before. It's a new, more powerful poltergeist. Maddie? We need you to come back to us now, honey. Please, Miss Bradley! Leave this house! Something's wrong, Mom. Okay, if you haven't guessed, it's the remake of uh, the uh, the classic <laughs> poltergeist. And this one... It does have a lot of reasons to be excited. First of all, if you didn't notice from the, his voice, Sam Rockwell is the taking the Craig T. Nelson part. What is he never? What is great. he not? He's always awesome. If he's, he's in something, right. I'm interested. Exactly, exactly. Um, so, but it's the, basically the same story, and um, Sam Raimi is uh, he's producing, producing, which is funny to me too, because one of the reasons I think that the original Poltergeist was as interesting a film as it was, at least for me, it was directed, of course, by Toby Hooper. Right. But it was produced by Steven Spielberg. And you can see both of them all over that movie. You can, yeah. So in this one, it's being directed by Gil Keenan, who uh, directed Monster House, probably easily the creepiest kids movie of all time. <laughs> right. But it's being produced by Sam Raimi. So I'm so to me, it almost seems like the same kind of a situation where you've got two competing styles that we could potentially see, you know, when we watch the film and anything Sam Raimi does in horror. You're just happy to have him back. Um, and one of the other reasons that I think is uh, find the movie intriguing is that David Lindsay Abair, who wrote the brilliant um, independent film, not a horror film at all, Rabbit Hole, he uh, adapted the screenplay. And he's yeah, a hell of Rabbit a writer. Hole, by the way, yeah, if you have not a horror movie, but see it, it's great. Oh my god, it's great. So he wrote the screenplay, and and so you know, so it's it's for me, it's kind of the behind the scenes, you know, butcher block kind of. This is how we're creating it, folks that make it more compelling to me than just Sam Rockwell. Although I do love Sam Rockwell and he has kind of a long history in horror because a few years ago he made um, Joshua with Vera Farmiga, yeah. a pretty good, not yeah, great, pretty yeah, good, yeah. you know, psycho kid movie, but his very first ever film, <laughs> 1989 clown house <laughs> where some, some, uh, you know, escaped uh, mental patients dress up like clowns and terrorize kids while their parents are out on Halloween. Nice. nice. It's really awful, but okay. it's worth seeing. So the new poltergeist, <laughs> uh, that is scheduled for May 22nd release. So we're excited about that. And then the next big one, big major release that, that, uh, is worth, I think everybody's everybody's pretty geeked about is the new Guillermo del Toro Crimson Peak. Ghosts are real. This much I know. In your own best interest, proceed with caution. Has anyone died in this house? Specific deaths, violent deaths. I'm here to take you away. There's nowhere else to go. This is your home now. Okay, this one is slated more for a Halloween type of vibe. Mm -hmm. This one has a release date right now of October 16th. So we have a little, a little ways time to, to wait. wait. Yeah. But I think one of the reasons that you can be excited about this one is that Del Toro directs. So, you know, there were, there were two or three movies that came out in the last couple of years where they they attached his name to it, but he really just produced and he probably, you know, generated the monster imagery that was in the film, but he didn't direct it and he didn't write it and they were bad. But, you know, the, the horror films, and I, I gotta admit, I'm not a big fan of a lot of his 
more mainstream efforts. But the horror films that he has directed have been magnificent. And I'm really excited about this. Plus the cast. Oh, my God. The cast is great. You got uh, Jessica Chastain, Tom Hiddleston. Yeah. Wow. Awesome. Mia Warshawski, uh, uh Charlie Hunnam from um, Sons of Anarchy. Right. Who was smart enough to drop out of Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> nice move, Charlie. Uh, so, yeah, that's a great cast. And uh, Gamer- Tom Hiddleston, I will see oh, anything he's in. And, you know, Jessica exactly. Chastain, she's amazingly yeah. talented. Yeah. And it's, you know, exciting to see her in a film like this. Um, it's a, it, it looks like, it's definitely a period, um, kind of a haunted house, kind of a what was in their attic. Uh, Hiddleston does, uh, and Chastain play brother and sister. Does that well. Does oh, that yeah. stuff well. Oh, my God, yes. Yeah. That's the thing is that one of the things that is that you know there will be some kind of monster in it, which is great. So, yeah, that's another one that I'm super excited about. And I think a lot of people are. There are um, some others that we want to talk about, too, that are probably likelier to fly under the radar. In fact, there's one that you're likely to confuse with another movie yes. we're kind of excited about. So yes. the, the first one of the two that you're going to confuse, because we certainly did, and the Internet absolutely has, um, the, it stars Abigail Breslin. It's called Final Girl. Hello, boys. I'm Veronica. So, are you ready for a game? Depends on the game. And I want you to run Veronica. And then what? We hunt you down. Only the one with the most will is the strongest. You're going to have to do this mission alone. I'm going to enjoy this. You are an interesting girl. Yeah, that that sounds pretty cool. It's it's almost like if you saw the uh, Saoirse Ronan movie, Hannah. And if you haven't, you should. You should. Not a horror (laughs) movie, but very cool. Yeah, as a little girl, she's uh, taken and trained for a certain mission. And then she... uh, By the effortlessly creepy Wes Bentley. Wes Bentley, right. And then, I guess on purpose, she's put into this situation where she's hunted. A take on the old, most dangerous game uh, type of situation. And she kind of gives them the what for, so that could be interesting. But it did get very confusing because that is called Final, Final Girl. Girl. But the one that I actually was looking for at the time, because it got a lot of buzz at South by Southwest, is called The Final Girls. Right, and we couldn't even find a trailer for no. that uh, online. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if one of these changes their title. Yeah. Because, but but the, the, but, uh, the Final Girls yep. is... Kind of another throwback, uh, kind of an homage to it horror is, movies. And, and I think it's a horror comedy. Uh, Malin, a- I say this because Malin Ackerman is one of the stars, and she's a comic actress. And then Tysa Farmiga from all of the American Horror Stories and everything, she's in it as well. And it it looks like, from everything I've read about it, uh, some uh, a young woman is somehow sucked back into the 1980s slasher that was her mother's most famous film. And her mother played the final girl yeah, in this 80s screen slasher. Queen from the screen 80s, queen. Right. And so mm-hmm. the daughter now is sucked into that film and has to, I think, fight both of their way out of it. Um, and it, you know, and it got a lot of buzz at South by Southwest. And um, it seems like a fun concept to me. But yeah, again, good luck trying to figure out which is which because, <laughs> you know, yeah. The, uh, so final but, girl and the final girls, which which both plays off that old you know, horror movie trope of the final girl that yeah, we oh, talked absolutely. about. Yeah. We talked about last week. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So we'll see what happens with those. Neither one of them have release dates yet, uh, but they have s- very similar titles they and do. they might want to work on it. But that. they both, they, they both look really fascinating to me they in, really in wildly different ways. Wildly different. Now for the, for the bloodlusty among you, um, I don't know that George was this intrigued by this one, but, and I, I gotta admit it's because Pollyanna McIntosh is in it. This is the reason that I'm most interested in it, but it's a film called Let Us Pray. From midnight, when the wicked must pay for their sins, it's me who comes to collect. 
So who's first? Just tell me who you are. You know who I am. All I want from them is their souls. You, though, I want so much more. Yeah, it's uh, already been released overseas. Don't know the U.S. release date, but uh, as you can tell, it's one of those pay-for-your-sins-I'm-coming-for-you type of thing. And we're not Game of Thrones watchers, but one of the guys is a Game of Thrones I think that Liam Cunningham. Actor. So, uh, so Game of Thrones people, that could be up your alley. But Yeah, so I, I think the basic plot is that it's in a small town police station and someone comes in and if he's in the room with you, he can take over your mind and your soul. And man, the trailer is bloody. But again, I mean, the trailer is creepy. Um, the uh, Liam Cunningham's you know, voice of God kind of, you know, narration seemed very creepy to me. But again, I'm, I'm all in because of Pollyanna McIntosh, who's the star of one of my favorite horror films, The Woman. <laughs> and gonna... she's so great yeah. in it. And so Although I she s- looks a little different. She does look a little Ooh, different in this one. You haven't one. seen The Woman. Holy moly. But anyway, so let us pray. It looks like a bloodbath. Uh, and you know what? Every year needs one, you know? Like, we don't have anything against the really bloody movies. No. And so hopefully this will be a good one. All right, so there's a lot to look forward to. There's a lot to enjoy right now. Uh, if you haven't guessed, go see It Follows. But uh, there's a lot to look forward to coming up You know up what? There are the like three or year. four I just want to throw out really yeah, quickly. Yeah, go ahead. There's one called Six Miranda Drive. It's the new Greg McLean, Wolf Creek. It's his new film. Hello. And it's a uh, family goes on vacation and brings home something. And it stars Kevin Bacon. So hey, that- can we just give... Because Wolf Creek, I've encountered people who have wildly different opinions of Wolf Creek. You know, we love it. We do love Wolf love Creek. It. We but do. Other people... Oh, John Jarrett, shut up. So oh my great. God, he was so great. Head on a stick. Head uh, on a Wolf, stick. Wolf Creek, love it. Here's another one that I really want to recommend. Uh, excuse me, that I can't wait to see. It's a German film called Good Night, Mommy. Um, tons of awards already internationally. Twins, yay. Medical horror, <laughs> yay. Matricide, what? Oh my God. And then there's another German film that you should be able to see in about a month. I got to see last week. It's called, weirdly enough, it's a German film called The Samurai. And it's kind of a werewolf movie, sort of, kind of. It's super weird. It's really well done. I would give that one a look if you get a chance. Uh, there's a Belgian film I can't wait to see called Cub. Where some Cub Scouts, uh, they go out on a little camping trip. I was a Cub Scout. Were you a Cub Scout? How cute is that? <laughs> and, um, you know, they tell the story about the feral boy. Well, it turns out the feral boy is real and he kills a bunch of Cub Scouts. And it just looks super... I mean, it's going to be one of those camping slashers, but because everyone in peril is child, is a child. It's good. And, and I believe the, also the villain is a child. Does Canteen Boy show up? I, I hope not. <laughs> um, so. Okay, Cub. So there's, there's a few coming down the line to look forward to for the rest of the year, but It Follows is the big one right now, so give it a look. Let us know what you think. We, we love the uh, voice feedback as well. The Golden Spiral Media feedback line open at 304-837-2278. Or you can just go to the, the website, goldenspiralmedia.com slash feedback, and you can, you can just leave us a, a voice message in that way. Just upload a file, and we will listen to it and respond to it next time we're on. Yeah, and Twitter's always good, too, especially if you want to uh, get a jump on next week, because we are going to go back to the, uh, the countdown of mm-hmm. the decades. We're going to go to the 1980s, and there's a lot... A lot in the 80s. Yeah, you know. but you know what? You know what's not going to make the list? I mean, unless we have an overwhelming number of votes for it and I have to be silenced by the people who are listening, there's not going to be any uh, Friday the 13th on that list. Okay, well, there you go. See, talk her out of it. Talk, <laughs> talk her out of it. Make sure if you want Friday the 13th on there, uh, vote. It's, uh, <laughs> let us know. It's uh, at, at Mad Wolf on Twitter. We just like to talk about Two it. Two Ds. Yeah, M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F. And you can make your own jokes about that. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't. 
So until then, see It Follows. My name is George. I'm Hope. And this is the Fright Club Podcast. Until next week. Stay frightful, my friends.